Hi, my name's Liam, and you're listening to Let's Nurture, the podcast. Today, we welcome Matt back once again to discuss input devices, a topic I think you'll find more interesting than you expect. Give it a chance, we'll end up somewhere that you'll be surprised by. So, welcome back to the show, Matt. Liam, how are you today? I am medium. How are you? Uh, Not too bad. That's not bad. Okay, input devices... In this case, we're talking about input devices to a computer. So why don't we open with what it means to have input to a computer? How does that work uh, on, on maybe a slightly more granular level than you usually would explain it? Well, before, back in the punch card days, uh, the input would be a punch card. And you would have that all filled out, put it in, and it would run through the program. Nowadays, the the actual input devices that we manipulate our computers with tend to be a keyboard and mouse more than anything okay so what is a computer doing when it receives input i know we have plugs what we've talked a little bit about networking is there a meaningful difference between like usb input and networking input from a engineering perspective yes and no um no in that it it's all input right but it's it is different in in the methods that it uh that it communicates with everything but ultimately, no, the computer can execute the same task, whether it's from a command sent by a remote computer or the user right there with their mouse and keyboard. Okay, so you can sort of think of all inputs to the computer as being, like, the, the plugs may matter, but on a conceptual level, inputs are type agnostic, like you're still just kind of firing electric, electricity into a socket. Uh, effectively, yes. It's, it's giving a direct, it's giving a switched command, basically, for, for anything, either a yes or a no. Everything you do on a computer is going to be a yes or a no action, as far as the computer is concerned. Okay. So, can you tell me why we have so many different kinds of sockets? Uh, as far as physical plugs on, on the computer, uh, that's because different ports are, uh, primarily for different things. So, we have... Some ports that are primarily for an output to get information out of the computer, which uh, a good example of a primarily an output would be your video, where, where you plug in your monitor. That is going to be, uh, in most cases, almost all the, all the data is going to be outwards. It's going to be leaving the computer and going to a different device. Whereas with, uh, with a network cable or a USB, uh, those are both going to be able to function as an input and an output. So it's able to take information in, process it, and then output it based on, uh, based on the command it was given. Okay, and what, what does USB mean? Uh, USB is, it stands for Universal Serial Bus, and it was a way for manufacturers to solve a few, a few problems that were happening with with computers at the time it was introduced. Many devices needed a specific serial or parallel port. Um, Sometimes you would have one and not the other. Uh, And then if you needed... And and those devices would often only have one parallel port or one serial port. So if your computer already had its serial port occupied and you needed to connect a second device that needed a serial port then you were you were in trouble basically you had to find some other way to work around and 
back then it wasn't as easy to find a way around it on Google. Uh, okay. Now, I, let me slow you down one more time. I assume by serial port, you don't mean like my mouth. So what? No. What is that? Uh, serial port would be a, it would be used for what was called serial communication. And it was just a, an old type of large port. If, if you think of like an old printer with a, those were called parallel ports. They had a really wide plug. Um, they had, uh, numbers specific pins sticking out um the connectors themselves were often a problem as well you would have issues where the pins would break off or get bent uh they would be they wouldn't communicate properly they were somewhat fragile um usb aimed to sort of put everything on the same port like have it so that they were all interchangeable uh so that they were able to supply power as that was a limitation as well. Often uh, they weren't able to power the device that was connected. When USB was introduced, it introduced a uh, uh, an allowance for power, and that has been increased with every revision of USB. And USB Type-C Gen 2 uh, can handle, I think it's 100 watts now. And... Type-C Gen 3, when it releases, I think it's going to have, I believe they're going to have 200 watts of power delivery over, uh, over the USB cable. So it's, That's pretty substantial. It's very substantial. I don't know how many of our listeners have a good sense of what a watt is, um, but that's certainly enough to power your standard laptop. Yes. Um, I, have, I have a not insignificant laptop, and it's a 65-watt machine. Um, I'm sure... Liam, your laptop would be uh, would be enough to to use pretty well all that hundred watts, but it would be it would be capable. <laughs> Hopefully, um, the biggest boom okay. for that is with monitors. A lot of people will have a Type C monitor, and they're able to just plug it in with a single cable. That would be pretty great. I am a a strong advocate for as many monitors as you have the wall space for. Never in my oh life my. have I thought I had too many monitors. No. I don't know that it can happen. So there's keyboards, there's mice. What other input devices are there for a computer? Well, one that's... Softball question, I know. One that most people have that's not commonly thought of as an input device is a camera. Whether it's a webcam or the, uh, or the camera on your phone, uh, those are technically considered input devices because they are feeding information into the computer. The computer can take action based on the, based on that information, or it can be, uh, or it can do nothing. It's, it's just all on how it's set up. A good example of a camera being used as a more traditional input would be, uh, would be with the Kinect sensor that Microsoft released for their, uh, for their Xbox consoles. They used the camera as an input device where it would track your body movements and use those to, uh, to make an action happen on screen. Now, I remember the Kinect. I'm not going to look up what year it came out, because last time I did that, I suddenly felt very old. But I do remember everyone hating it. Uh, have yes. we gotten any better at that? The Kinect initially was awesome. The problem with what they did to it was they took out all the internal processing uh, on the on the Kinect. Originally, the Kinect had its own sensor, 
to track skeletons and provide that data to the console much, much faster. Um, with the first version on the 360, they removed the sensor and then found out halfway through that their bandwidth was halved because the USB controller that it was plugged into, um, there was only the one USB controller, so it would need to share bandwidth on that controller with the other two USB ports, which were often used for networking because the original Xbox 360 didn't have a wireless uh, didn't have a wireless card in it. So if you wanted wireless internet, you had to plug in a USB Wi-Fi adapter and the Kinect had to share its bandwidth with that, uh, as well as if you had a hard drive or USB or, uh, or anything else plugged in, then it would need to share bandwidth. Um, the Kinect 2.0 on the newest console got around that somewhat by having a dedicated port, but they, uh, they again decided to offload most of the processing onto the console itself and removed most of the processing hardware from the, uh, from the Kinect camera itself. So it ended up losing most of its responsiveness, most of its ability to be a um, pleasing experience, and ended up being a, a laggy one that everybody hated. All right. Well, um, I, I literally didn't believe you about that Wi-Fi thing, so I just I had to look it up. Uh -huh. It seemed impossible to me that, that the Xbox 360 could be so old that it wouldn't have a Wi-Fi card built in. Would you um, believe that the original Xbox 360 did not have HDMI? I would now, because I just looked it up. <laughs> and it came out in 2005. Yep. Uh, someone needs to stop doing this to me. I would have bet good money it was a 2010s thing. Nope. Happily. It wasn't even close. Okay, so, wow. I mean, to be fair, Connect was a really cool idea, right? The promise of you can sit there and wave your arms around to make things happen on a TV was a lot more exciting back in the olden days of 2005. And it sort of worked. Um, it sort of worked. One thing that it was really great at that kind of ties back into our previous episode with 3D printing is it's a very, very inexpensive 3D scanner. Really? Yes. Almost nobody wants them. And there are interface kits for, uh, for Windows. The older one, the Xbox 360 one, uh, was, as far as I know, I don't believe that the SDK has been updated for Windows 10 or 11. I haven't got that working. I haven't gotten the old one working on Windows 10. But on Windows 7... Uh, it works fantastically as a as a 3D scanner, and the uh, the Connect 2.0 also has a kit for Windows, and it it works. I haven't had real great luck with um, modeling. Like I have done facial captures and everything, where I've taken my head, scanned it, and turned it into a 3D print. Um, <laughs> But it's it's kind of hit or miss, and uh, I think I broke my last connect doing that. <laughs> I mean, still though, a three D scanner is not an input device. I think most people expected they could just go and get no, especially not for cheap. Like how much is an how much is an old connect? Let me find out right now. Uh, twenty bucks at a pawn shop. 
You're almost exactly correct. Uh, I know. eBay, seventeen fifty. Yeah, because I went a pawn shop near me, had a whole bunch of them in. They had them all for 20 bucks, and uh, I was just like, I will buy all of them if you give them to me for 10 And they did, and then looked at me like I was a crazy person as I ripped out the cord out of the back of it. Because uh, to connect it to a PC, the way that they work, they have a, they have a special plug on, on the end that's shaped only to fit an Xbox One. Um, oh, of course. If you stand on the cable and pull the connect up really, really hard, you'll just rip out the back of the cable. And inside is a standard USB 3.0 port. And <laughs> if you solder a 12-volt, 2-amp power supply onto two of, the, two of the solder points on the board, then you can give it the extra power that it needs, and it will be recognized by Windows when you plug it in. Um, I think I got the polarity crossed on one of them when I, when I hooked it up. That's how I think I broke the last one. <laughs> uh, we really should do a, a episode on both Windows 11, because I have, I have some thoughts about Windows 11. I um, have yet to touch it. I refuse. I don't want to. It, it, uh, I have time for this brief anecdote. So <laughs> uh, I had to boot into Windows for something the other day, and... When Windows doesn't shut down all the way, it locks all the hard drives. So even in, say, Manjaro, you can't access anything, right? Fun. And if there's updates pending, Windows won't shut down all the way. So uh, I had to go and say, yes, Windows 10, you're allowed to update. And I tried to tell it not to upgrade to Windows 11, but it decided to anyway. And worse than that, when it upgraded, uh, it deleted the contents of Grub, which is the bootloader that my computer uses. Yeah, and it left problem. me in recovery mode without even a functioning terminal. Uh, and I'm utterly convinced that this move is specifically there to stop people from using Linux. It's the only reason I can imagine doing it. Never attribute to malice that which is more easily explained by stupidity. But it's even easier explained by malice. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Kinect cheap 3D scanner, that's pretty spectacular. Just be careful about Windows 10 and 11 for it. Um, what else do we have to talk? I know you mentioned game controllers are being used for, like, actual work all of a sudden. Yep. Um, because if you think about it, uh, the, the upcoming workforce has, and, and my generational workforce as well, has been one of the only, well, my, starting with my generation, basically, uh, all, all the kids my age grew up with a controller. They had a controller in their hand. Uh, like they can tell you the Konami code. They know instinctively which button is where on on their uh, on their controller. They have that muscle memory built in. And when it comes to operating devices, um, for many people, it's going to be second nature to hold a uh, hold a Xbox or a PlayStation controller that have. All of these, all these functions that they're that they're used to, they know exactly where the placement is. Uh, they they can operate it as an extension of themselves without needing to think. Okay, what button is what? Where where does this button go? What does this do? That that hard work of remapping your brain has already been done, and it's just a matter of learning a new game. I guess that actually does make sense. It just it seems 
I'm so used to seeing game controllers in the context of like, like children. Yep. Um, that imagining someone at an office with you know a Game Boy controller find it difficult to take seriously. Oh no, I said Game Boy. There goes all of my nerd cred. <laughs> <sighs> game Cube. <laughs> See, listeners, I'm I'm on your side here. <laughs> GameCube controller was so great too. I I disagree incredibly strongly. That's I think the click. GameCube controller that was all right. Um, but they're they're tiny. They do not fit my hands. Even when I was a child, they were too small and weird to use correctly. See, I I always loved the GameCube controller. I just bought another one not that long ago. They're getting pricey. Yes, they are. This was a re-release, uh, a reissue from when they issue from when Smash Ultimate came out. Uh, every time they come out with a new Smash Brothers game, they typically release a new batch of GameCube controllers, and I grabbed uh, I grabbed one from Japan. That makes that makes perfect sense now that you now that you said it. A good friend of mine got Smash Ultimate and learned to play it on a single uh switch on a Joy-Con. Side. It's a masochist. Well, it was purely to make other people feel bad when he beat them with yeah, the single. It would yeah. be. It worked really well. Uh it felt terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are there any other interesting input options that we're getting access to? I know we we've mentioned VR really briefly before. Um and I actually I've been looking into VR since our episode on VR, and uh, hand tracking seems really cool, but I can't think of many use cases that justify it. Yeah, um, well, uh, they're, with VR controllers, like uh, it's tracked in 3D space, so every movement that you make with those controllers can be translated into the machine, whether that's for a productivity task or whether that's for something like modeling. Um, like 3D modeling has, uh, with VR, 3D modeling is much more intuitive, much more natural than it used to be with, uh, with manipulating things on, on a flat screen with your mouse keyboard. And even there were, uh, there were specific, um, modeling input devices that looked sort of like a, a sphere suspended by a bunch of cables with, uh, with a few buttons on it. Um, there were boutique input devices like that that were helpful for, uh, helpful for 3D modelers and things like that, but that's almost all been entirely replaced by VR because you can create something and naturally look at it how you would look at anything else. You can grab the object, you can spin it, you can physically move around the object. You can um, scale it, like grab two points and make them bigger, or grab those same two points and make them smaller. The, the uh, amount of control that you have with, uh, with VR is very substantial. Like you can have one, uh, in, in one program, uh, you can have, say, your uh, tools be on one VR remote and your um, color palette on the other. So you have uh, your paintbrush on this hand, your palette here, tap the paintbrush into your palette, and then you can paint in front of you. Or you can move the joystick and it changes to an airbrush. And now you can airbrush in, in 3D space. Um, that's, that's one of the ways that, that VR has, has made, um, has opened up a lot of the, a lot of the 
ability to interact. Okay, now I know the big complaint about VR is always to do with, like, haptic feedback, right? Which is, uh, if you were to pick up a pencil in real life, the pencil would exert force upon you as you were encountering. And way, way back in, based on my experience with the Xbox 360, this must have been happening in 1910, um, when we were developing simulators for surgeons to train on, uh, putting together a simulated visual of, let's say, a spleen for a, a biopsy. I don't, I don't know enough about medicine to give you the right word for cutting a chunk out of a spleen. But let's say that's what we're doing. Yeah, that was right, actually biopsy. pretty easy for them. I knew it. Uh, that was actually pretty easy for them to do. But being able to have a digital scalpel that would react correctly to the touch and respond in the way that an actual scalpel would was incredibly, incredibly difficult because touch is so much harder to fool than your eyes. Are we making any progress in incorporating that into our new, freshly, it turns out, cheap and accessible VR environments? Uh, yes, there are, but we're not quite at that level yet. Uh, there are several different solutions. Um, one... Microsoft has has introduced, and it's kind of a combination of several of the technologies that we talked about, including 3D printing, and it's sort of like a barrel, and that barrel has about five or six segments in it, I think, and those segments can expand from about two inches in diameter, and they can rot. They will uh, a device inside will rotate and can actually expand each one of those sections to be a wider width. I think about four inches is the maximum. So you can, you can have a, an object in the virtual space, say it's a vase, you go, where it's wider at the bottom, thinner at the top. You can go and actually feel that with, the, with this controller because the top of it will be narrower than the bottom. Um, we're not quite at the, at the point where you can feel with a uh, like a finger touch. Um, however, there are specific gloves that have um, have systems in them to mimic touch. So, say when you're uh, when you're holding that digital scalpel, the gloves will harden or or cause resistance, and that will feel similar to a touch. It may not be the same but it will feel like resistance and you'll know that there's something there. Um, but those systems are not yet uh, anywhere near um, being ready for, uh, for users like you or I to, to take advantage of them. Those are very expensive, very complex, uh, highly, um, highly purpose-built systems that aren't yet okay. ready for, for mainstream yet. When do you think they will be? Best guess. Best guess, uh, I wouldn't expect the, the things like the Microsoft tube that, that gets bigger and smaller, something like that I could, I could feasibly see within the next few years um, because it's, it's just a... It's, it's just a tube. Yeah. yeah. It, it, well, it's, it's a system of gears, right? It's, there's nothing too complex in it. It's, it's a couple step, stepper motors, maybe a battery, some, something to communicate. And then it physically makes things change. Whereas the these gloves with uh, with their specific systems um, would be a lot harder to make cheaper, make 
um, make them resistant and durable, um, as well as the fine tuning of them as well. So those, I would, I certainly don't expect to get my hands on one anytime soon. Probably for uh, an enthusiast like me, or uh, or somebody hoping for something like a next level game immersion. Um, probably, I would say ten years is going to be a realistic, uh, realistic time to uh, to expect something like that to make it to a home user. Well, it turns out ten years isn't all that long. No, <laughs> just found out <laughs> again today. <laughs> Well, until next time, I've been Liam, and you've been listening to Let's Nurture, the podcast.